Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Yes, hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing, life and business. It's rocking over here, hope, it's, hope it is for you over there as well. And if it's not, hey, let's, let, let's see what we can do about that. You know, a few years ago, I really held on to a thought that that kept me going through the rough times of my business. And, and that thought, or, or fact, if you will, was knowing that more millionaires and billionaires are created through real estate than any other business, any other industry, any other investment vehicle. And if more people have created their wealth through real estate than anything else, well, that means one of two things. Either one, there's more opportunity inside of real estate than anything else, or two, it's easier than anything else. And I mean, you know how people are. You know the human condition, the the condition to take the path of least resistance. I mean, that doesn't go for every human being, but but look around you. I mean, you don't have to look too far to recognize that that is definitely a fact. I mean, if there if there is an easier way to make a million bucks, people will definitely take it every time. In fact, they're out there looking for that easier way every day. I mean, there's a huge and wide-reaching industry that revolves around this very thing, people's desire to be rich. You know, the, the industry does nothing but come up with new ways to show people how to get rich and to do it easily and to do it quickly. And, you know, in my opinion, just because of the statistics, because of the sheer massive amounts of information out there, you know, having created more millionaires and billionaires than anything else, investing in real estate is the easiest and fastest way to riches. But do not mistake my statement of easiest and fastest with easy and fast. No, not by any means did I say that. Or will I ever say that? You know, investing in real estate is the easiest way for the average person to get rich, but it's not easy. It takes effort. It takes patience. It takes persistence. It takes work hard work. And it is the fastest way to get rich too. But it doesn't happen fast. I mean, it it does, I guess, relatively speaking, but it's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't happen in weeks or even months, but it indeed, it, it doesn't take a lifetime either. You know, real estate is going to require more effort than most people ever want to do. And, and if you're afraid of hard work, the biz, it's not for you. But here's your option. You can either bust your butt and, and work harder than you ever have for a few years, and then slip life into cruise control. Or you can get a job and never really be required to get out of 
first or second gear and then just stay there the rest of your life while your boss enjoys life on cruise control. It's your choice. You work hard now so you can sit back and relax later and enjoy life while you're still young enough to do so. And today on the show, I'm joined by another hardworking Epic Pro Academy member that's on his way down that very path. And and we're going to hear about how he's running his business successfully already. I mean, he's only been investing in real estate for a few months now. And in life and business, it's already rocking for him. And I'm going to have him tell you all about it. But first, I got a real quick announcement. There are just seven days left to take advantage of the discounted Epic Pro Academy membership. I'm closing the doors to new members at midnight on Sunday, November 17th. I'm closing it down to complete the Academy in the way that I had originally envisioned it. The Academy will still be accessible to existing members. It's just going to be shut down to new members so I can focus on the building process without, you know, distractions. So long story short, go to epicproacademy.com, click the Join tab, select the Platinum Membership, that's the annual membership, and effective January 1st, along with all current Platinum members, you'll be grandfathered into a lifetime membership. You've got seven days left to do this, and this offer will never be made again. All right, so there's my pitch, and now let's get on with the show. An Epic Pro Academy member that's just tearing it up, he doesn't think so sometimes, but but I'll, I'll let you be the judge. Hailing all the way from Cleveland, Ohio, I introduce to you Mr. Brad Weber. Brad, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you for having me. You bet. Really glad that you're here. I know you're you're working really hard and you're on way. I caught you in between meetings. So thanks for being here. To, to get started, can you just share a little bit of your background and specifically what was life like for you before you decided to become a real estate investor and join the Epic Pro Academy? Sure. Um, I... Uh... I'm 28 years old. I've got a, a young family, married. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old son and another baby on the way now. And um, for the last eight years, since I was about 20, I've been selling real estate as a, a real estate agent. Um, I actually sold real estate while I was in college, just before graduating. I, I'd always heard that it was a good, a good vehicle to get into in terms of um, a way to make a living. So I, I, uh, I tried it out while in college and been uh, what I've been doing ever since until this year. Got it. Got it. So congratulations on the new baby, by the way. Thank you. You bet. Um, so you were working as a real estate agent. What was it about being a real estate agent that uh, led you to want to become a real estate investor? You know, I, I don't know if it was anything about being an agent that led me to wanting to be an investor. Um, I, it was more what being an agent wasn't that led me to want, want to try the investing thing. You know, when you're an agent, you have very, very little control. I think it's perceived otherwise, but you don't you don't have any control over over a lot of the way your business functions. And I was feeling constrained, um, and I felt like I was kind of in a, a wheel, just running uh, this wheel, getting nowhere, and doing the same thing day in and day out. Um, and though I was my own boss, I, I didn't feel the freedom that that people think that you'd feel mm-hmm. when I was doing that. So for the last couple of years, I've been I. I've been kind of open to whatever the universe is throwing at me mm-hmm. um, for new opportunities. And, and I came across your podcast and that led me to learn more about what you guys offer. Got it. Got it. So on the podcast, um, you know, we talk a lot about freedom, but, but what was it about the podcast or just the subject of real estate investing in general that, you know, kind of presented a, an idea that there might be something more there for you, more of what you're looking for. Um, the, the way the way the podcast was structured, the things that I was hearing in the podcast were, were just uh, 
were resonating with me. I was hearing things about um, setting up plans that create definitive results and, and um, consistent ends to the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. which is what I was definitely missing in being an agent. I, I wasn't able to get to wrap my head around creating some sort of plan that got me to a definite end, a definite retirement, or not even retirement, but freedom. Mm-hmm. And I heard things in the podcast that gave that to me, so it was definitely enticing. Got it. Okay. So you became a member of the Academy, and you've been a member, um, I don't know what, about six months now? Probably, yep. Probably? Okay. So in those six months, tell me about, uh, you know, tell me about what you've accomplished. Or Actually, let's walk through your, your very first deal. Okay. Um, I actually stumbled into my first deal, which was, was lucky on my part. But I, I, you know, through being an agent, I was always getting calls from people that, uh, not always, but often getting calls from people that wanted to sell property that I couldn't make any money on if I was to list the property to sell it. And that had been a problem I'd run into a lot over the years where, you know, there'd be low-rent properties or, um, you know, working-class neighborhoods, places where it's, it doesn't really make sense for me to list a home because I'm not going to get future business out of it. I'm not going to make any money and commission on it. So I always threw those away. Mm-hmm. Well, I started, I started learning from the, from the, uh, the, the Epic Pro Academy, um, and one came across my plate just like that. And it started to be an opportunity for me instead of something that I would just throw away. So um, I, uh, I presented the idea to the seller that, hey, I could probably buy your house as opposed to listing it since your goal is selling it. And um, it, it went from there. Super, super. So you said you, you, you lucked up on it. How, how did you stumble across that opportunity, that first one? Um, that's it. I just I received a phone call from somebody, somebody's relative of a past client of mine and, okay. and took it from there. Got it. So it's essentially from your network and from the people that you already knew. And right. You were right. already an agent, so people were, had you in mind for that reason already. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, so... I know you've done a bunch more since then. Uh, what happened next? Well, you know, uh, when I was an agent, I, I I wasn't trained to do any marketing in terms of um, getting my name out there and hoping people call me. You, you call it fishing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trained to do any fishing. I was trained to, to go hunting. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I knew. Uh, you know, I knew I knew for sure that given no other resources, I could at least get on the phone and hunt. And so that's what I started doing. The first thing I started doing, before I did any marketing, before I sent out any letters or did anything like that, I just got on the phone and started calling, uh, specifically, expired listings. Okay. And my, my second two deals after my first one, uh, both were expired listings. Got it. Got it. That's certainly a, a, a viable list source. Absolutely. I think it's untouched by non-real estate agents. Um, but it's certainly a way that, uh, as when I was a real estate agent, I remember that's one of the ways they primary ways they taught us to go out and get business. And it sounds like the same way that uh, you did as well. When yeah. you when you contacted expired listings, did you contact them as an agent or as a buyer? Um, I actually, it felt so good to be able to make those phone calls and contact them as a buyer. Because, you know, those people, they get a million calls from agents all the time. And there's always this apprehension, this like tension where they don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like it felt so re- relieving to be able to call them and say, oh, wait, I'm not an agent. I'm not calling you as an agent. I'm calling you because I actually may want to buy this house. Mm-hmm. And um, it gave me – I had a lot of confidence making that phone call. It felt good to make that call. It's awesome. So it's all a matter of perspective. Some people have that don't have that reference point as an agent. 
are afraid to make that phone call. But you, having done it so many times as an agent trying to get a listing, all of a sudden it was a refreshing approach for you. Right. Perfect. So is that how you've been getting most of your deals? Actually, no. <laughs> okay, let's um, go, that. let's go I, to the next step. I, uh, what I'm doing now, mostly, most of my business is coming from either Bandit Signs or the, the Yellow Letter campaign. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm doing that more now because it's, I, I can, it takes time off of my plate. I can have somebody else write the letters. My wife actually writes a lot of my letters for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and um, my assistant is going out and putting up signs for me. So that frees up a lot of time for me to actually be meeting with people and being face-to-face -face instead of spending, you know, two to four hours a day on the phone prospecting. I've got those letters going out, so the calls are coming into me instead. Got it. Got it. Okay, so how many letters a day do you think you're sending out average? Uh, we've been averaging 25 a day. 25 a day. Good, nice, consistent number. I like it. Um, as far as roadside signs, tell me what your schedule is with that. I have um, I have my signs. I, I try to put up between 50 and 100 a weekend. And actually, that's changed lately um, because I've had some issues with, with the cities around here. Mm -hmm. um, and I can get into that in a minute. But um, we were trying to put up between 50 and 100 a weekend, putting them up either early Friday morning, late Thursday night, and then taking them down on, on Sunday evening. And we, I was leaving them up all week long, but I, I, we figured out that I get a lot less flack from the city if they're up on the weekends uh -huh. than if, um, if we leave them up all week long. So we were just putting them up on the weekends. Right. Now, in fact, though, we're, we're not even doing that many. Just for the, the you know, last couple of weeks and probably for the next couple of weeks, we're not doing as many as we would normally. There's, a, there's a, um, an election going on for the cities, and a lot of the candidates are putting up signs on uh, telephone poles just like we were mm -hmm. and so they started cracking down on it because the candidates can't do it so we can't do it i see i see okay so um with that amount of letters and that amount of signs how often does your does your phone ring per day i get at least at least four maybe five seller calls a day five seller calls a day perfect and out of those um i guess through a week how many come across to you as being uh, motivated sellers where you actually think you probably got a shot at buying that property? Uh, probably one or two. One or two. Okay, so about one out, of, one out of 25, one out of 30, right? Yep. One to two, that's exactly, exactly where, where it seems it falls for most people. Um, awesome. So run me, what, what's your typical deal? I mean, what, what is your, you have, you have the phone ringing, so you got your lead generation down going really well. well. What's your next step once you've identified that there's some motivation or some urgency there with the seller? Um, my, my, initial, my initial phone call to, to the seller is going to be pre-qualifying. Pre I want to make sure that they're, you know, that they're motivated, and, and a lot of that goes back to my training as an agent. I'm not going to waste my time going out to a house if it's a situation where I'm not going to be able to get something out of it. So I try and do my due diligence on the initial phone call, figure out what their motivation is, uh, where the house is, if it's something that I, I want to work with or that I can, you know, consider purchasing. Um, if I figure out that it is that is the case, it does seem like it's something that would work for me, it, immediately on that phone call I want to set an appointment to meet with the seller. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So do you set the appointment at, uh, at the property? At, yeah, at the home. Super. So when you go to meet the seller, what do you take with you? Anything? Uh, generally, I take my iPad with me so that I've got access to, to comps, um, you know, 
and I, and I actually I prefer to take my my iPad with me instead of printing out comps or anything because I want to have live information. I think it looks better to have something live in front of the seller, and you know, it's, they they I think they think it's more accurate because I can't I can't muff the numbers that way. Right. Right. Um, so I bring my iPad with me, and I bring a uh, my seller prequel sheet or my seller information sheet, and I bring a contract, a purchase agreement with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super. So, do you have a, a system for that uh, for that meeting and how that goes, or do you just kind of you know play it by ear and do it that way? No, I'm, I'm really consistent. I mean, every meeting I do the exact same thing. And again, I think this probably goes back to my training, my training as an agent, but. Every single time, I, I on, uh, when I'm on my way to the appointment, I call ahead to make sure that the, the sellers, you know, hasn't changed their mind or is still available and is planning on meeting with me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I arrive, uh, I thank them for meeting with me, and I immediately take photos of the house. I'll take a front photo before we go into the house. I'll take a back photo, photo of the garage, whatever. Um, when we walk into the house, again, I'll thank them for letting me come through, and I'll ask them if, if they'd be comfortable with me um, touring the house and taking photos while I'm in there. That way, you know, if it does work out and, and they are happy with um, what I've got to say, then I've got everything I need right, right away. Super. Um, is, is there something that you do that you notice gets your desired effect, or is there something in common with the sellers that, you know, actually, you know, ends up your result is a signed contract? You notice a pattern any there, anything or anywhere there? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I go in with a specific goal in mind, and I, I just try to make sure that they keep their goal in mind. So that's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their, their goal, when we initially have that pre-qualifying conversation, is they want to sell the house. Right. And so I, I, I figure out what the motivation is for them to sell the house, and I don't let that go. You know, if they, if they inherit the house, for instance, they, they're in a position where, you know, obviously they don't want to be a landlord, or they would keep the house. Obviously, they don't want to have to fix it up or, or they would keep the house. So there's a lot of things that are driving them to want to get it sold. So I, I just make sure that I remind them through my conversation, look, my goal is to buy a house. Your goal is to sell this house for this reason. Let's not forget that. Right. Right. I like it. I like it. So it's obviously effective because uh, you have brought several properties through the Epic Wholesalers website and... After talking to you on several occasions, I know you've, you're selling them elsewhere as well. In the six months, how many properties do you think, uh, how many transactions have you completed as an investor? Oh, boy. Um, let's say, I, let me think. Um, probably 25, maybe 30. That's awesome. What would you say you want to share Finances and numbers. Everyone loves to hear numbers. What do you think? What's your average that you make per, per transaction? I, my average is probably five to seven thousand dollars. Times twenty five. Sure. In six months. Yeah. That's awesome, Brad. Congratulations. That's congratulations. Now, I know a lot of people are listening right now, and I, I believe I don't know this for sure. I can't hear them. I don't see them. I can't talk to them. I can't ask them anything right now. But based off of, you know, I've been doing this for a few years now. I've been coaching people, training people. I answer a lot of email questions. I get a lot of phone calls, done a lot of seminars and workshops. I know a lot of people are thinking, yeah, but, but he had an advantage. He was a real estate agent first. So tell me, what advantages of being a real estate agent have transferred over to you being a successful real estate investor now? 
Okay, I think the, the list is, is very short and very specific. Okay. The only things that I've taken with me from being an agent that are advantageous to me being an investor are um, that it's a, uh, it's a consistent activity um, sort of business, meaning that I know that every day if I do A, B, and C, it's going to produce you know, D, E, and F results. And that's something that I had to learn as an agent. Otherwise, I wouldn't have survived. So I took that with me. And beyond that, it's, um, it's understanding how to interact with people in that sort of a, a climate, that sort of um, a, uh, a meeting environment. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think I took anything else for, from it that, that's been advantageous in terms of being a, an investor. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I, I had no idea what your answer was going to be, um, but I was hoping that was it because that's my experience and it's the experience that every person ever has. So, And what I'm getting at is a lot of people – that want to be real estate investors, they, their first uh, um, inclination is to go get a real estate license. So knowing what you know now, if you were to start all over again and, and your primary intention was to be a real estate investor, would you waste your, I shouldn't say waste your time, would you use your time <laughs> to go get a real estate license first? I would absolutely not recommend getting a license. Okay, cool. So we're talking about um, the, the advantages of, of, and you work for a good company, you work for Keller Williams, correct? No, uh, Prudential. Oh, I thought you worked for Keller Williams. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with Prudential as much, but uh, I, I brought up Keller Williams because I know they have a really good training program, and, and they really focus on enhancing the uh, the skills of an investor, or excuse me, of an agent. So I was I was assuming that's what, that's what was what it was. Um, but but they do very much instill the same things that we talk about here on the show, is doing the right activities, doing them consistently, and doing it day out, day in and day out, and doing it with persistence. And uh, and then we all talk. I share this th- is inside the free course. Your number one skill as a real estate investor are your people skills. So thank you for for confirming that. I love to get uh, I love to get it validated all all the time. Just so I, people don't think I'm uh, I'm making this stuff up. Let's see what's next. Um, so you're doing twenty five deals in six months. Average five to seven grand a deal. Um, are they all wholesale deals? Yeah, actually, I, as an investor, I've yet to keep one of the properties that I put under contract. Okay, so so why is that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm just getting the get getting my uh, my feet wet, and I that you know what that's something that really bugs me. I really I need to start keeping some of the properties because that that goes back to my original core goal of wanting to get out of the the wheel spinning. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm still doing a transactional business that, that there's no end to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so what's getting in your way? What what is what would need to be in place for you to actually start holding properties? Uh, I mean, I think personally, I, I have some imaginary number that I need to have in my bank account before I can feel comfortable spending money on on an investment. Mm-hmm. Is looking back at now and on what you've done is that a reality, or is that just something made up in your head? Is the number a reality? I mean, just just the fact that you have to have something in the bank before you can hold a property. No, I know, I know it's not. I know it's not necessary. Um, that's just. I, I think it's a mental block that I've got right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Um, I just I just ask that because I think it is rather irresponsible to hold properties if you have no money to maintain them. But I think people need think that they need a lot more money than they actually do to maintain them. That's why I was bringing that up. Sure. And uh, you and I have had several conversations about this, and 
and you know um forgive me for for I'm not going to put your business out there but I do want to share some of our our conversations that you've had some we've had some moments where you were actually kind of scared and concerned about the future and I I scratch my head and I wonder how can someone that was making 3% uh as a real estate agent in 6 months go to you know doing 20 25 transactions averaging $5000 a transaction you know be nervous finan- be nervous financially about their future and you know what we talked about is you know it's it's the difference between cash and cash flow right yep yep, yep. and uh so just to help you out of that fear cuz i i know other people out there as well that it's it's hard to turn down the money the money is really really good especially uh you know when you multiply it by 25. <laughs> so um, I think you're doing awesome. I just want to, I want to help you get to your next phase in your, in your real estate investing. And so you don't have those concerns and, and you're not fearful. And where that really comes from is from cash flow. Right. So um, that would be the, that would be the next step that I would recommend for you. Uh, let me ask you though, going from an agent to an investor, what, what would you say is your, your biggest takeaway from your experience inside the academy or, or just in life overall as an investor? What's your biggest epiphany? Have you had any aha moments? Have I had any aha moments be, being an investor? Um, yeah, that it's, that it's, that it's possible. Mm-hmm. That this is actually possible. That, that doing this and, and creating for yourself in, in a relatively short amount of time some sort of uh, life that doesn't revolve around you grinding day in and day out is, is, a, is a possibility. I, that was a big aha moment for me. No question. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, shoot, I think I think that one right there is good enough. <laughs> so, at this point in your in your real estate investing, what's going on that you're really excited about? Um. I'm I'm just now getting to a point where I'm really uh, starting to expand my my network with other really good investors, guys that are in the business, really doing stuff. I'm starting to get you know they're they're getting my attention, I'm getting their attention, and my network's really building up right now, which is that's very exciting for me. Super. And what do you owe that to? Why do you think that's happening? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that get into that try to get into real estate investing, and they don't do much. You know, and they 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 kind of spin their wheels a little bit and they, they, you know, they toss their hat into the ring and they want to play the game, but they don't actually end up doing anything. And it turns out that there ends up being a lot of, uh, you know, very few people that end up doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that prob- that rule probably follows a lot of different businesses. But when I started actually doing some real business, I started seeing who else was out there around here actually doing some real business. And um, it, it, it gave us, you know, them and myself an opportunity to kind of network with each other, recognizing that we're not just trying to do, you know, one or two deals a year, any mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. The list is rather short when you really start looking, isn't it? Yes. And how does that make you feel about uh, competition? Um, good. <laughs> I mean, uh, a, a lot of, um, it, it's, a, it's a lot less competition than in the, the traditional real estate industry. Right. And that's another another question I get, it, 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 especially at, at live events where I might have a workshop where I've got 100, 200 people in a room and inevitably a question will always be like, well, if you teach everybody here uh, h- how to do this, 
will there will there be enough deals? I love that that question. Will there be enough deals, or you know, everyone else is going to buy them? What would you say to that question if you were asked that today? There's always going to be more deals. There's always there's always. I mean, it's the same thing in traditional real estate. There's always someone that needs to sell a house that that no one else has talked to yet. So they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And uh, sometimes you you just don't realize it until you get out there and start mixing it up. You know the uh, what you call it. Uh, you know I'd mentioned that you you you've sold several properties to us through through our Epic Wholesalers website. Um, how are you selling the rest of your properties? Um, I've been networking a lot at uh, different REI meetings and seeing who who's buying and how they're buying. And I've been talking to other investors um, in different cities and seeing how they've been building up their list. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to use strategies, different strategies that I could take from other people that are doing more than me. Mm-hmm. and trying to implement them. Um, one guy that I, I was talking to out of South Carolina had a really, really great list of specific websites where he's been advertising his stuff, and that's actually helped me to grow um, my investor list because I've been able to advertise things there that have attracted attention from buyers that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Super. Do you want to share a website or two? Uh, Craigslist. <laughs> Craigslist is always always a good one, uh-huh. uh, and that's our main that's our main go to. I mean, when we take something that we know is um, not necessarily going to go to uh, your investors or to you guys, uh, Craigslist is our top our top spot to place it. But we'll use everything. I mean, anything from hotpads dot uh, com to Zillow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any tricks or anything that you discovered or strategies that that gets uh, your ads on Craigslist a greater response? Yeah. Um, I needed to, to learn quickly to stop advertising my stuff like I'm an agent. You know, I was, I was used to advertising things like, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the quality of the finishes or, you know, the, the size of the living room, stuff like that. And investors don't care about that. You know, mm-hmm. the stuff that you've got when you're doing this is investor-based. You've got to get out there what they're interested in, things like the numbers, the ROI, the, the, the rent rates, um, you know, all those things, are, are the ARV, the, the uh, after repair value, that's what's going to matter to them, mm-hmm. not the size of the living room. Right. So that's, that's a change I had to make in my ad. Perfect, perfect. So, you know, really focusing on what's important to your end buyer, and now your end buyer has changed since you've made that transition from real estate agent to investor. Yep. Perfect. So let's see. Let, let's kind of... Uh, Let's sum it up. Um, you're doing. Uh, you're actually initiating calls, so you're calling expireds. You're initiating your marketing and having inspiring people to call you through your yellow letters and, and your bandit signs. Um, you're doing consistent activity. You're you're setting appointments. You're presenting offers, and you're finding buyers through all the conventional means as well. Any shortcuts? Any tricks? Um, any yeah. silver One bullets out there? Sorry to interrupt you, man. One thing I forgot to mention that, that works really well for me, and I was talking to a couple other guys that hadn't done this before, but they are, they're going to start doing it, is bringing the purchase agreement with me on the first meeting. Mm, okay. And, and again, that, that goes back to my, I think, my real estate training or whatever, but doing things consistently and, and doing them the same way every time, that's something I always did, uh, was bring my contract with me. Because mm-hmm. when I sit down with, at their house and I, I immediately take photos, I immediately have comps with me. I immediately present to them what my goal is uh, while recapping what their goal is. If I can get them to agree at that point to say yes to me, uh, buying the house from them, I want to get it done right then and there. Mm-hmm. 
so I, I have my contract, and I, I sign I sign the contract probably six times out of ten on my first meeting with the seller. Super, super. So how many times did you have to meet with a seller before you became comfortable doing that? I did it from day one. You did? Yeah. Super. But again, that goes, I mean, I, I just treated it like it was my listing agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd show up at the house, and my goal right then, then and there at that meeting is to create something. So I'm not going to let it slide. Because I, I know, I mean, in, in my, and I know there's, not, there's less competition being an investor than being an agent, but... I don't want someone else coming in that door later that night or the next day and getting that property under contract. It's not me. Perfect. I love it. Well, it's obviously working. <laughs> Super. Um, all right. So from here, Brad, what, what do you see in, in your, your real estate investing future? And, and how is this going to impact your life? I know you got a new one on the way. And uh, how's that going to work? Uh, it's, all, it's already dramatically impacted my life in, in so many, so many positive ways. But I... I, I really want to get to a point in the next seven years where I know that I'm going to be able to go to every baseball game, every school play, um, every, every Boy Scout camping trip, and not have to worry about it, and not have to take vacation days or deal with any of that. I, I, I want to be able to, to have the life where I can be the role in my family, play the role in my family that I want to play, and, and not be encumbered by the stress of anything else. You know, Brad, uh, you know, for anyone listening that's that's ready to take that leap and said, okay, I got it. I understand. Um, he's just told me exactly what it takes. What advice would you give someone that's just starting from day one? Be prepared to be as diligent as you've ever been in anything in your life. Mm-hmm. But, but recognize that it's not going to be easy every day and don't give up. Mm-hmm. Love it. Any uh, any mistakes that you made early on that you could warn someone just getting started about? Oh uh, yeah, um, some of the biggest pitfalls that I've run into have been related to um, really knowing what it's going to take to get a property rehab the right way, and that's something that I never had to to touch being an agent because you know being an agent it's all about the transaction, just getting it done. But mm-hmm. as an investor, it's it's vital that you have you have to know what a property is going to take to be rehabbed and and, and something that's going to be a performing asset for your end buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. It's definitely a, a different skill set that they do not teach you when you're acquiring your real estate license. That's for sure. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, cool, Brad. I mean, thanks for hanging out here with us today and being so gracious with your time and your sharing. I'm actually going to see you next week in your hometown, my first time to uh, Cleveland. Looking forward to that. As a matter of fact, I'll be in Cleveland the day that this episode is released, so we can uh, listen to it together. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, um, awesome, dude. Thanks for your time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting you finally face-to-face and doing more business together. All right, bud. Hey, if you enjoyed today's show, you'll probably enjoy the last episode as well, number 73, as I was joined by fellow Epic Pro Academy member Jesse Milner when he shared how he made $86,000 on his very first deal. And so if you missed that, go back and check that out. And, you know, the, the different paths that the, the Academy sends people off on, it, it never ceases to amaze me. It's really fun, and it's, and it's rewarding to watch. And, you know, if joining Brad 
And Jesse, as a fellow member of the Epic Pro Academy, has been on your to-do list. You've got just seven days left to become a member at 50% off the 2014 price. And you'll be a member for life, a part of the Epic Real Estate family. Okay, so until next time, to your success, I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.